What Sarah just read is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And that is what we are called to as uh, believers, as followers of Jesus. And we here at the church kind of talk about like our the providence pathway, you know, is gather and grow and serve and go. And those are things that should be going on continuously all the time. And when we talk about going, we talk about that in two ways, going to our neighbors and going to the nations. And so from a neighbor's side of things, this is why we talk about the fact that, you know, you, you don't live where you live by accident and you don't um, go to school where you go to school by accident and you don't work where you work by accident. God has put you in those places, Acts 17, set the boundaries and dwelling places on purpose for you to reach people around you with the gospel. And so we were to do that locally and then we were to do that globally as well. And so we pray and we give and we go. And so we pray for mission partners like uh, this, this morning. Our mission partner is um, Tom Agnew and Grace Church that we planted a couple years ago and his family. And then we give. We give through our Christmas auction, Christmas offering. Um, that will be the offering side of things will be coming up later this year. And then also just off of our budget, 11% goes out from this church. And then we go personally. And we do short-term mission trips, and we're happy this year to launch out our first ever full-time missionaries. Um, but typically we go twice a year somewhere. One of those is usually Central or South America, and one of those is usually uh, Central Asia. And over the last several years, we've had an opportunity to develop some relationships, relationships there and partnering with um, a company that we partner with a lot. And uh, we have had the opportunity to meet, and John... Uh, Pastor John led in this, but meet uh, Toby and Anita and Julia, who are here with us this morning. Um, three other children that they have. I'll let uh, they talk about their family, but they're going to come and share with us about what it's like to be a missionary and, and how we can pray for them. And just notice they are, like a lot of times we think missionaries are, you know, or, or anyone who has a, a pastor, you, you, wow, normal people. We are normal people, and um, it's just awesome to see their life, what you guys are doing. We're excited about it. So, Toby, would you come and share? You guys welcome him this morning. Good morning. It's uh, great to be here at Providence, and um, it's been a pleasure to um, be able to develop a partnership with John and have them come and visit our city um, about two years ago in this past year. Um, they were planning on coming this summer, but with what's going on with COVID, that was changed. Um, that trip was canceled, but we're looking forward to having them in the future and, and continuing to develop some, some partnerships. Um, this is my family. I'm Toby. My wife, Anita, and Julie are here. My other three children uh, my oldest, Emma, my son, Will, and my other daughter, Olivia, couldn't be here uh, this morning. My two oldest are in university, and my middle child is in quarantine right now because she had close contact with someone. Um, so let me go ahead and switch. Okay, so we serve in Central Asia in a former Soviet country. And this is some pictures of our city with um, some friends. It's very futuristic. It's very uh, modern. It's not what the rest of the country looks like. Most of the country is villages. 
and very poor looking, um, but this is what people see when they come to the capital city because this is what they want to see. But this picture right here is a picture of a, a thing called the Tree of Life, and so we have opportunities to share with people when we go there. We say, yeah, you know what? The Bible has a story about a tree and the Tree of Life, and, and the story there is a serpent that comes and is trying to steal this golden egg and this eagle places it up there to protect it. And we say, you know what? Our story has a serpent. And let me share with you um, what happened. And um, it's a great way to be able to share the good news with people. All right. And then this is a, another monument. It's called the Palace of Peace and Accord. It's across from where we live. And then this is uh, the biggest tent in the world called Hanshitir. And on the top of it, they have a beach that you can go and swim at. All right. All right, let me share with you um, a little bit about the weather. We live in a very harsh climate where it's winter six months of the year. And it's very cold. It gets down to negative 40. And that's where Fahrenheit and Celsius meet. And so the days are very short. We maybe get six hours of sunlight a day in the winter, but in the summer, which is only about three months long, we get closer to about 15 hours of sunlight. All right. This is a picture of my daughter in her winter gear. And this is a video, just a typical, this was a day a couple years ago when it got very windy because we live out on... Uh, like a plane, like the Great Plains, and it's very flat, and the wind will get really um, large uh, or really strong. So, I'm going to play this video. <laughs> Бесконечно надеждой согрет Я вдали вижу город, которого нет Где легко найти страннику приют So, actually, I got caught in that wind one um, that same day and it blew me down a sidewalk and um, a guy had to catch me he was like I saw him and he's going like that and he caught me as I was just going whoa couldn't move I couldn't get out of it but um, we, we do live in a very strong um, harsh climate and it's very dark so there's a lot of depression a lot of suicide in our and hopelessness in our city um, we do live in a two um, a two language culture because it's a former Soviet Union um, uh, country, um, they speak Russian as well as the local language, and so we are Russian speakers, and our city is was mostly Russian speaking, but now it's becoming more, um, more of the local language is being used. Okay. All right, and so the food there is very interesting. This was a cow that was slaughtered, um, my daughter Julia. Um, was petting the cow and feeding it and then we went to the foothills for a little ride and two hours later we came back and it was sitting out in the yard all slaughtered and so she was quite upset because it was her friend um, 
So horse meat is a delicacy there. It's normal to eat it. So we eat horse meat. It's, it's just a common food there. And so we enjoy it. And their national dish called bishpermak is, um, is a broad noodle that they serve with um, horse meat in it. And you eat it with your fingers. And so we enjoy eating horse. And so um, this is a picture of Julia making another dish called monte, which is like a dumpling. And we actually had a party with people um, doing, making those. All right, and so the culture, um, the people in our country were originally nomadic, so they lived in these movable tents called yurts. And the inside of a yurt looks like that with a little table, and they put um, rugs up on the wall to keep it warm, and they would have a fire in the center, and it would go up the top, and they would have these tables that they would carry with them, and these little cushions called... Um, corpiers, which they sit on. Um, all right, and they were, they s- still do falconry and eagle hunting in the country and to, to hunt for prey out on the steppe. All right, and this is a, p- um, a little short video of the national instrument that both my daughters um, are learning to play. My my, my one daughter, um, Olivia, actually was going to be traveling in a competition group with them. So a lot of people, I mean, my daughter, my two youngest are very um, enculturated into the local culture because they grew up in it and went to school there. And so when we tell them that they are learning the Dombra, people just light up and smile and love it. And so it gives us opportunities to be able to share the good news with them um, because it, it, it just opens up a door. All right, and then next picture. So in our culture, Tea and relationships is of utmost importance. It's more about relationships. So when you go over someone's house, you know you're going to be served tea. And you know you're going to be there for several hours. It's not like you're going to pop in for five minutes. You know that when you go someplace, you're going to be there for a while because they're going to serve you tea, they're going to serve you food. Um, This is some of our dear friends with my wife and her mom who visited, and they were invited to to their house, and so they're sitting on corpiers and the, the, the small um, short table, which they will slide to the side, and then they will sleep on the corpiers um, in the living room a lot of times. But they will serve tea and cookies, and then they will serve you a dinner, and then they will serve you more tea and more cookies. And they also have um, fermented mayor's milk called kumis, which um, is from a, a, a horse, and um, my wife, it's very sour and does not taste very good. It tastes like soured um, milk. And so I'd like it or can drink it. So my wife will get, I'll drink mine and I'll pass my empty cup to my wife and she, I'll drink hers. And then they pass the cup around the table so that I drink everyone's kumis when we go to people's houses. So I get to enjoy this um, mayor's milk. All right, so this is our ministry area. It's the northern part of the country, so it's a vast area. All right, and so there is over six mil- about approximately like six million people 
in there, and 0.1% of them are believers. There are over 40 distinct people groups in our area because it was an area that um, Stalin used to dump all his political prisoners. So you have so many different um, ethnicities there. Um, We have large pockets of um, unreached people groups and unreached unengaged people groups, which means that no one is even engaging them with language, culture, there's no gospel witness there. And there, as far as we know, there's less than 40 Great Commission Christian workers in that whole northern area, which means that, and most of them live in our city. And so we have some local partners that we partner with. All right. Um, religion, it's um, mostly a, it's a Muslim co- culture, and to be... When you grow up there, to be born into their culture means to be born Muslim. And so they may not go to mosque, they may not practice, they don't pray five times a day, but when you talk to them, they say they're Muslim. They're open to listen, but they say, you're from the United States and you're supposed to be a Christian. You are, but I'm a Muslim. And so when we tell them, we go to church with others and we speak, we we sing songs in their language, they say, there are actually people, um, locals that go to your church for like, yeah. And they're like, wow. And so it's, um, it's a, a, a opening for, again, sharing the good news. Um, so Islam, this is them praying during Ramadan. And then we have also Russian Orthodoxy. And so we don't call ourselves Christians when we're there. When we're here, we say Christians. But when we're there, we say we're believers in Jesus or followers of Jesus. Because when we say Christians, they automatically default to Russian Orthodoxy. And think about that, and we lose them. Because um, it was really forced on them. And Russian Orthodoxy is very much um, um, ritualistic. and um, so we say we're followers of Jesus. All right, and there's also religious pluralism, and this is, um, this is where they hold a council every couple of years. They invite different religions from around the world, including Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, um, but they don't, in, um, in, they don't invite um, evangelical Christians because they don't consider evangelicals Uh, they consider us a cult. And so they talk about religious tolerance and that every religion is okay as long as you believe something, that's fine because everyone's going to go to heaven. And so they're very religious. They want to have religious tolerance. They don't want any extremism in their country. All right. So the IMB, um, the organization that we work with, Their mission is, our mission is that a multitude from every language, people, tribe, and nation knowing and worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes directly from Revelation 7-9. Our mission in our country is very similar. Our mission is to make disciples of all Central Asian peoples in fulfillment of the Great Commission, resulting in sound, biblical, contextual, reproducing churches. And we do this by loving God first and loving others, the Great Commandment. And so the difference between us and many of the other Great Commission workers in our city is that their focus is just to make disciples. Ours is to make disciples and to start reproducing churches. But we can't do this by ourselves. We as Americans can't go into villages because as soon as we get there, the cops come. 
and we can't get access. So we have to do it through the local church. So our strategy is to pray, to partner, and to push forward into darkness. We're always praying. Um, the eth- ethnos of um, Central Asia is if someone asks you to pray, you stop and pray with them right away. We do Friday fasting and prayer once a month. We pray um, before all our meetings. We are, prayer is foundational to everything that we do. So we take prayer walks in the, at the mosque on Fridays because it's mosque day. And this is a day that we went to the mosque and we're prayer walking and looking for opportunities to share. We also pray for the lost people. This is a picture of my mother-in-law who spent time there and we've developed relationships with all these people and the girl sitting next to her or standing next to her actually came to faith. Um, recently, as a result of our relationships that my mother-in-law started with, and then we, when she left, we were able to continue to develop. Um, we also want to partner. We that that's we want to partner with the local church. So we do. In uh, what we started was when we first got there. My wife, her ministry was to go and to speak to to um, do local English clubs. And the way it started was she had time in the evenings and she would just meet with people and it started growing. And so we would just do these English clubs for free and then we would invite people into our homes three times a year for either Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, Easter, and then the 4th of July. And during Easter... We have, we do an Easter egg hunt. We have about 40 or 50 people in our three-bedroom apartment. We, hide, we put them all in one room, in one bedroom, and we hide eggs. And these people just love doing an Easter egg hunt. And we can't do it outside because there's, it's still probably about negative 10, negative 20 out. So we, we do it in our house. And then we hide resurrection. We do resurrection eggs. And so when we sit around, we do our English club. We say, we're going to do English club. And we say, who has a big egg and who has the blue egg? And they, they hold it up. And then they will open up and they see the little, say there's a lamb in it. And we talk about what the lamb means, that Jesus was the lamb of God and that his blood was shed for our sins. And then we have locals that are there, local believers, who will actually read um, scripture in the local language. And then afterwards, they're there available to ask questions and answer questions. And one night, one of our local friends was leaving, and she was at the bus stop, and these two people came up to her and said, what bus are you taking? She said, I'm going this way to this side of the city. And they said, well, we have some questions. Would you mind walking with us? We live about, we're going about 45 minutes in this direction. And she said, sure. And so she walked with them to their home and was able to continue to share the good news with with them. And so we use this, we partner with local believers to share the good news. And so this was our Christmas party, and this is a local sharing the good news, um, reading the Bible. And then we also do a 4th of July party, um, and we talk about what true freedom is. All right, and then I'm a physical therapist, and that's what my visa was, and so um, this was an occupational therapist from New Zealand, and 
we would um, we worked with special needs kids, and so that's very dear to heart, our, my heart. And so we got this chair for this girl, and we got local donations from all the churches in the country, and some a little bit of money from outside the country to purchase this um, chair. Um, that chair cost about three hundred dollars in the country, and they made it locally. All right, and then we also I had the opportunity to go on a. A mission trip while I was living, while we, we were over there, I had uh, a local guy say, hey, from another country, say, hey, listen, we, we have us, we want to do a special needs camp. Will you do it? And I said, sure. And so my daughter and I went and spent um, 10 days doing a special needs camp, just like John and Providence has come and done special needs camps. And so um, there are lots of opportunities. So we I engage in a lot of medical strategies there, partnering with local organizations, the, the organization that I used to work with that runs an autism center. There's um, a couple local um, Down syndrome centers that we've partnered with, and there's a local doctor that um, runs a community center that I've had opportunities to partner with. And so all these opportunities provide us opportunities to share the gospel. And so the the requirement for the people that came to this one was that they had to go to story time every day. And story time was Bible stories. All right. And so we also partner with a local um, believer in a village up north, and they do English clubs in the afternoons. In the mornings, they do um, adult special needs um, day program. And so I go up there, I work with the special needs adults, I dance and act silly, and they love that. And I enjoy being silly. And then I go um, after lunch, I go and visit people who are shut in and work, do physical therapy with them. And then in the afternoons, I go and I teach the high school students and grammar school students. Um, I do English clubs with them. So um, it's a full day when I go up there. All right. And so we also, like I said, we try to local um, partner with locals. And this young lady is a local believer. And we had the opportunity of having her live in our house for three months and to disciple her. And uh, my wife had an opportunity to disciple her. And she's going to speak a little bit more about that in a couple minutes. And um, this is a perfect example of our partnerships, what we want to do. This is me. There's an a occupational therapist from America that's not in this picture, but she's in a, another picture a couple slides further. But in the background is a local believer who went with us to translate. The occupational therapist brought this piece of equipment, this walker, that this guy needed in order to walk. He wouldn't go to church until he could walk in the building. And he, he just didn't have the ability to do it. So we did some quick gate training with him, um, training how to walk with him. And then that Sunday, he went to church for the first time. And he lives on the third floor of a building, so they have to carry him in and out of the building to get outside. And so they carried him downstairs, put him in his wheelchair, got him in the car, brought him to church, and he went to church because he was able to walk in because he had the walker. All right. And so we do do a lot of partnerships with our, our local church. Um, God's moving in a mighty way in our city, especially through in our church. 
before COVID hit this past year, um, we had over 50 baptisms. And it's just incredible hearing local, the, these locals, these stories about how God is using dreams and visions to bring people to, to, to himself. They, they have the locals, um, a local student will share the, the good news with them, and then they all have very similar stories of how they've gone home and they were praying and seeking God, and they had a dream or a vision of, of this light saying, in a voice saying, come to me, I'm Jesus, and they give their life to Christ. And so it's incredible what God's doing. All right, so pushing forward. The reason I have this slide is that Jesus in um, Luke 10, 1 and 2, he, it says that he sends the 72 out two by two, and he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into the harvest. And so we push forward into the darkness, and we need more workers. And so we push forward into the villages and the places that no one wants to go. But we can't do it ourselves. We have to use the local church. All right, and this is just some pictures of, of, the, of a local village that I go to. And over the last two years, I lost my visa as a physical therapist, so I can't practice, um, do that um, for a visa. So my wife has had a visa for as an English teacher. So this is a, a, a company-owned English center that we have, and so we now do English clubs. And so we use this as opportunities to share the good news. And we invite, again, we invite people in. This is a picture of um, them making cookies for a Valentine's party, and we invited them into our home, and um, we, we um, made cookies, and we're having tea, and we're talking, and we're having opportunities to develop relationships. They see what it's like for local, for, for what a, 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 a Christian family looks like, and for them, doing the, a guy doing dishes is unheard of but I will do dishes so I can show them that it's okay for a guy to do things. And their men always are served first. When, they, when we have our Christmas party and our Easter party, we serve a full meal and we have the ladies go first. And we tell them in America, we have let ladies and children go first because we want to show them respect and then the guys go last. And so it just really speaks volumes into them and they see there's a difference. All right, and so this is an English club, and that's an occupational therapist that was doing English club. Or actually, this is we were actually doing a seminar with um, uh, social workers during um, this time. So when I go up there, they say, "Oh, you you're going to do a seminar today?" I say, "I am." I'm like, "What am I doing a seminar on?" They're like, "Oh, on social work." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not a social worker, but we do what we can do, and um, we we just use it to glorify God." And again, we use medical strategies to get into homes. And I want to share, I just want to, on behalf of all workers, I want to thank you guys for um, your generous giving because without your giving, we can't be on the field. We can't do what we're doing. You guys pay for our airfare to go to and from the field. 
we pay for our medical care. We have to go to Turkey for all our medical care. So that's a five-hour flight, and all our medical care is taken care of. You, Lottie Moon's allowed my son to go to international school in our city, and it helps fund our kids' college. And so thank you. Without your continuous giving, we couldn't do what we're doing. And um, the goal for 2019 was $65 million, and in 2020, it's, I believe, $175 million this year. And um, we just, like I said, we just thank you. And the goal of the, uh, of the board is in the next five years to send out 500 more full-time, fully funded workers into the field. But that can only happen if um, people continue to give. And so, like I said, thank you so much for your giving. Um, also, I do, before I go any further, I just want to tell you and apologize to you guys on behalf of um, all workers. We really desire to partner with you. Partnership we want to we want to partner with you guys the US church and we want the US church to partner with the local church in central asia and we've done honestly a horrible job of keeping in contact with you guys we spend lots of time in our local meetings we meet once a week as a team and we talk about how do we connect better with the local church with, with the US church and we, we spend time, I talk with John about how we do that, what we can do to do a better job of that. So just on behalf of, of all of us, we want to apologize for really falling short in that. And just to let you know, we are really working hard, and we really desire you guys to be involved in the work in Central Asia, uh, doing English clubs, doing medical or, or health strategies, medical mission work. But again... Um, there is a disconnect, and we have to do a better job as an organization to connect with, with the U.S. church. And so, again, I apologize for that, and just let you know that we really desire your partnership, and we're working hard at improving our communication. So these are some interesting signs I've seen in the country that we've seen, some of our favorite signs. This is Gross Cafe. I don't know, but I don't want to eat at a cafe called Gross. Um, this store, they want to serve their customers really well. They're open 25-7, so if you go there, you get an extra hour of shopping. <laughs> and we're from North Carolina, and when we're missing home, I love seeing these garbage trucks that say Clean City NC, so it makes me feel back at home. And then, who doesn't want to walk into a bathroom and see a slaughtered pig? <laughs> this is what I walked into one day. I was at my, uh, this, the, one of our local partners in the village up north, and I had been mentioning to her that pork's hard to find, and I wanted to, to get some pork, and she said, we're going to go and slaughter a pig in the spring. I said, great. And so when I walked in, she said, oh, Toby, come, look in the bathroom. And I walked in the bathroom, and there was this pig. And so we got some of that meat, and it was delicious, and we did not get sick from it either. So that was a plus. And then this is a sign in a local bathroom. You can sit on the toilet, but you can't stand. You can't vomit in the toilet. 
you're not allowed to squat on the toilet because that's what most people do. They rip the toilet seat off and they squat on it because they have squatty potties. You're not allowed to play in the toilet or go fishing. (laughs) And you're not allowed to pee in the sink. So if you wanted to do one of those things, you can't use that bathroom. So my wife's going to come on up, my wife and daughter, and we're going to answer any of your questions that you have. So we're going to, I'm going to come and kind of point at you. Um, So uh, does anyone have any questions for Toby, Anita, Julia? Kids, you can ask Julia questions. She might slap me for saying that, but... So just to let you know, this is a local outfit that I was given at a wedding. We went to a local wedding, and I did a local um, toast. I did a toast in the local language, and while I was doing it, they put this on me, and I'm like, okay. And so we took a picture, and I went to take it off. They're like, no, this is for you. So this was a gift. But this is what you'll see people walk around dressed kind of like this. What questions do you have? run over here. Angela? Did you choose Central Asia or were you assigned there? Um, We chose Central Asia. We actually went to a a meeting of Central Asian workers and we met with them and sat down and, and, and talked with different people. That's what our pastor had recommended because he served in Central Asia. And we had a heart for Central Asia and so, um, we, we knew that's kind of where we wanted to go, but we spoke with this one guy, and he talked about having a physical, uh, a, a need for a physical therapist, and so that's how we got there. So we, yeah, we did choose it. Who else? It really is okay to ask questions. What, what, what are you thinking? So while y'all are thinking of questions, just to put in perspective, when they showed that uh, dorsal fin, as they called it, that dorsal fin would stretch from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Chicago. And there are 40 missionary units serving in that area. Um, so this is a huge, huge task. Anybody think of anything? John? Yes. Um, I know that in the first service there was a question. Um, yeah. We want to be open and transparent and just let you know that we are just normal people just like you. We have the same problems. But one of the questions was, what was the hardest day that you had and what was the best day you had? So I'm going to go with, uh, I'll share the hardest day and she's going to share the best day. So the hardest day on the field was when my wife came to me. Or let me say this. I was really struggling with anger. I'm very angry. Um, I didn't know why. I would just snap. Um without, and I would lose control and just have a rage and just couldn't control it. And Anita came to me and said, I just can't do this any longer. I'm going to take the kids and we're going back to the United States. I don't care if you stay here, but we can't live in this environment any longer. And on that day, you know, it just hit me, wow, my marriage is about over with. And I realized I needed to get some help, so I started some counseling. Um, Through that, they realized that it diagnosed me with depression. I didn't think I was depressed because I got up every morning, but I was just angry. 
and they put me on some medication and through counseling god did a mighty work and brought our our marriage from a place that i didn't know if it was recoverable to a place that we're in one of the best places we could be right now but that was the hardest day on the field for me and so just like you guys we struggle with um with difficult marriages we struggle with kids that are um, have problems Um, we are just living life and trying to do our best and we just have a different address as you guys so i'll share about our best day Um, that conversation that toby and i had came after three long hard years um, of just day in and day out dealing with that Um, and during that three-year period i was going um, to English club and meeting people in the community. And one lady um, started coming and said she would come to our house, bring her husband, that they had one son at the time. And, and she said, I want my family to be like your family. And I know that the difference between my family and your family is God. And so through the course of two years, Dasha and her husband, Sasha, came to know the Lord. They were baptized, and now they are raising their two sons in church, in a Christian home. And when I think back over the time that the Lord used um, our relationship, our family, that was broken. It was the worst that it had ever been in our 22 years of marriage. But he still brought something good out of it. And that the, the work that we have done for the last six years in our country, it's not because of us, something that's good and great in us. It's the Lord working in and through us. And that there's, I know before we went overseas, whenever I would hear, you know, a missionary was coming to think, I think, oh, their halo is going to, to glow, and, and they're, they're just such phenomenal Christians. And then when the Lord called us, First, I thought, I can't be a missionary because I am not like that. I have no halo. There's no angel wings. My husband will attest to that fact. Um, But we were obedient, sinful people that went overseas. I lived the same life as you ladies out there. I have to cook. I have to clean. I have to grocery shop. I homeschool my kids. And in the process of my daily life, I look for opportunities to share the good news with the people that the Lord has put in my life. And so the Lord worked in our lives over the course of two years to send us overseas. Um, I would say that if he is pricking your heart um, to be obedient, it's not your strength that you have to get through the day. It's, it's his strength. And if you will just obey him, then he will use you in mighty ways. Here, the next town over, or the next 20 time zones over. Other questions? Yes. Um, can you say something in Russian or the local language you're talking about? Julie? Do you I'm going to let Julia say something. Our kids are so much better at us. I say that our, our brains are old. They're like rock hard, and it's yeah. hard to get new stuff in there. But our children's minds are so soft and malleable. So you can just say, hello, my name is Julia. 
Здравствуйте, меня зовут Юлия. Юлия, how old are you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Я мне 10 um, лет. Sorry for putting you on the spot. All right. Julia, while we're picking on you, what's your favorite food over there? Um, as you can see in the picture, we made Monty. They're sort of like dumplings, and uh, that's my favorite food over there to eat. They are really good. We had, yeah. had them a couple times. Yeah. What else? If I'm picking up on this correctly, you almost have to witness and evangelize through indirect means, like through the locals, if you will. So there must be some risk, politically speaking, if you were caught, if you will? Yeah. So it is illegal to speak about religion in public, but um, we go to cafes, and I am from New Jersey, and I'm Italian, and so for me to be quiet and to talk softly is probably impossible. very, yeah, it's pretty impossible. <laughs> so I'm very loud and animated, and I meet with a group of guys. We, we usually meet once a week, and we'll go to a local cafe or to a food court, and I share openly. Um, I try to be aware of my situation and my surroundings. If I feel like people are listening or taking offense or something like that, I might say, hey, listen, let's talk, let's go for a walk and let's go walk in a park because everyone walks everywhere um, and takes public transportation. So I'll say, let's go for a walk. But I, I share openly with people, especially when they come into our home. That's why we invite people into our home because once we get into our home, we can share with them. And that's what is so great about me being a physical therapist. I'm able to go into homes and I'm able to ask questions. And people always ask me, why do you come here? Well, it's because I, God called me here. And let me share with you why God called me here. God gave me a gift to help you. I'm not going to charge you. What, you're not going to charge me? No. God gave me a gift, and I want to give you a gift. And let me share with you why, what gift he gave me. And so just using those opportunities. So yes, we do share in public. We try to get behind into people's homes to share. Um, I share with my language teachers all the time. We read the Bible. I said, hey, listen, let's read the Bible. Okay, we'll read the Bible. And so just ways like that. But if we get kicked out of the country for sharing, then that's fine because you know what we are doing? We are being obedient. And we'd rather be kicked out of the country for sharing than not sharing and stay in the country and just to live there. So, And the reason that we use local believers is because we are Americans and we can be a stumbling block to the gospel to our people. When they hear us share, they are totally okay with us loving Jesus. They said that's America's God, but it's not their God. And so when they can hear a local believer that looks just like them, that is ethnically them, know that they believe in the same God that we believe, then it opens up a whole new world to them. It makes it personal to them. And so that's why it is our desire every time we share to have a local with us because they say, oh, 
they are my ethnicity and they believe in God and so I can too. Could you elaborate and discuss the effects of COVID-19 in your area? Yeah, that's a great question. So COVID-19 has really changed what we're doing. We, we, we do English clubs. We run an English center with students and the university students aren't there. So right now our English club is actually operating by doing Zoom calls. And so we are still connecting with locals through Zoom. Um, I still keep in touch with a lot of my relationships there through um, different um, social media apps that we can talk and they can call me and it doesn't cost us any money because we're doing it over the internet. Um, our team right now is in a great transition. Our team has pretty much been dismantled. We lost three of our short-term or mid-term personnel two-year people because they can't get into the country. Another family is, can't come back because of medical reasons. We can't get back in um, because we can't get in because the, the borders are closed. And so right now it is really difficult. Um, we have one family there and they really don't have a lot of opportunities to share because everything is shut down. and it's hard to, um, to, to develop new relationships. So basically where we're at right now is trying to continue re existing relationships. But we kind of have this understanding that we try to have five people that we want to share with. And after a certain amount of time, we want to have new relationships. So after I share with someone, maybe for six months, a year, I still want to continue that relationship, but I want to find some new people to start developing relationships with that I can have those opportunities. So those opportunities aren't there right now. One thing, the uh, um, I may use your, your fake name up here, the Weaver. These really aren't the Weavers. That's their fake name. Um, and so they were coming back anyway at this time because they've got two college students now, and they're getting them settled and um, helping them with some health stuff as well, so. You uh, stated earlier that you lost your visa for your physical therapy. Is that something you're trying to get back? Or be able to get back? Um, right now, no, I won't be able to get it back. Um, there are several reasons for that. Um, and I can't get a visa period right now because um, my name's been red flagged for some um, issues that happened with my visa with the other company that I was working with and so I tried to apply for a, a teaching visa a visa to be an English teacher and as soon as they saw my name they just spit it out and said nope we're not going to hire we're, we're not going to issue you a visa and so right now I'm I can't get a visa in any sphere so we have to depend on um, my wife for our visa so but I do do physical therapy still I do I use it I, I found that I use it as my ministry to the local church um, as well as for just locals I have a local I still have a lot of contacts and a local believer will say oh I have a friend whose daughter has 
this this disability would you be willing to come and see them sure so i still get opportunities and i say i'm not treating i'm consulting so as long as i'm consulting and not treating i can give them some advice about what i'm doing or what to to do anything um if, if you have a little bit of medical training here, you are an absolute expert in most spheres mm -hmm. there. So that's a huge, huge help. Is there a Bible in the local language? Yes, there is, um, there is a Bible in Russian and in the local language. And so we do pass them out um, to people. We are very cautious about passing out materials. Bibles aren't illegal, but um, you can get in trouble for passing them out. And so um, we, we do, we will give them to people as we start developing relationships. And if they request one, I might say, hey, you know what, we have a Bible. Would you, in, in the local language, do you want one? In fact, the guy that I've been sharing with for four years um, recently has been very open uh, and I've been able to share with him and put, look, Met, um, had him partnered him with a local believer so he could share in the local language in more depth and also got him a Bible and actually sent him an audio Bible because he said, well, I can't read it because I drive a taxi all day. I said, well, you know what? Here's an audio file. You can listen to it. And you never know who's listening in your, in your taxi. So. I see one more, and then I want to take some time and pray here. What is your country's opinion of the U.S. overall? <laughs> um, well, let me put it this way. I think they, that there's good relation with our country. Um, as far as I can see and talking with people in, from our embassy and whatnot, um, the people's opinion, they love the United States. They think it's the greatest country. They think that the United States doesn't have any issues, any problems. Um, and I tell them, well, you know, yeah, we do have lots of problems. Um, but they, one of the things that they don't understand is why Americans only speak one language. They're like, why don't you speak more than one language? Because they all speak multiple languages. They all speak usually Russian in the local language, plus they learn... Turkish or um, German or another language. So they're and when they say, "Well, why don't you, why don't you speak Spanish? Aren't there a lot of Spanish people?" I said, "Yes, there's a lot of Spanish people, and yes, pe we should learn Spanish, but most Americans only know English. It's not like I'm. There's not a urgency to learn it. The more languages they learn, the more opportunities they have." I do want to, before we, and um, my, our email address is up here. It's weaversinca um, at gmail.com. So it's weaving the gospel in Central Asia at gmail.com. That's what it stands for. If you are interested in receiving our newsletters, finding out how you can pray for us, um, just email us, right? Put in the message line or the subject line, um, Providence. Um, e um, newsletter, something like that, we will add you to our email um, list. The reason we don't ask people to give us their emails is because, number one, we can't read lots of people's handwriting and we wouldn't get it right. 
And number two, a lot of times we would send emails and then they would be sent back as, please remove me from your emailing list. So we say, if you want our email, if you want to receive our newsletter, just email us and we'll make sure you get on there. Thank you all so, so much for coming. Could, could you all thank them real quick? So they're going to hang out kind of on the sidewalk where we are all supposed to be talking. Um, normally what we would do is, is come around, circle around people, lay on hands uh, and pray, but the, the, the COVID alarms go off and it drops bleach from the ceiling, all sorts of things if, if we do that. So we're going to pray from our seats, but I do want us to take some time and uh, pray for each of y'all. Thank you truly so much for coming. Um, let's, let's go to the Lord. God, you are a big, big God. Father, as we think of all the difficulties between um, the, the insanity of the weather, um, not to mention the things they didn't even talk about, the smog and the heat and the um, crazy drivers and, and just the sheer um, monumental task it is to physically get there, which takes so long. Father, we thank you for what you've done um, over the, the last six and a half years. I thank you for um, the lives that have been changed for eternity. Lord, the local churches that have been blessed. And Lord, we ask that you would continue, Father, in this, um, as they've just shared, very uncertain time um, when we're not even sure when they will open back up the, the visa process, uh, much less the borders to travel. And Lord, we pray that you would just work all the details out. Father, I pray right now, um, particularly for Toby and Anita, as they shepherd um, their now adult children, uh, young adult children, getting um, settled into college and, and through dealing with a, a couple health things. Father, we just ask that you would provide richly in that. Father, that is so stressful for all of us to think about and then to think about doing it from literally half a world away. I, I can't imagine. Lord, we pray for um, Olivia um, and Julia that you would continue to bless them as they do school in a weird school year. Father, we pray that um, you would help them in adjusting to U.S. culture, as, as I know they, they love and, and consider um, Central Asia a lot, in many ways, their home. Father, we pray that you would continue your spread of the gospel, that you would continue planting churches. Father, we pray for these local believers that have been baptized, and we pray for the many who still need to hear. Lord, we pray that you would use your friends, Toby and Anita, Julia, all their, their other kids, to push forward, to push on those boundaries of darkness, as they put it. Work in them and work through them, God, please. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen.